You're listening to the New Life Podcast. We're one church in multiple locations based out of Aberdeen, South Dakota. We hope this message helps the gospel come alive for you and gives you an opportunity to encounter Jesus in a whole new way. For more info on New Life, you can check out our website at www.newlifeaberdeen.org. Let's get ready to listen to today's message. Welcome to church, everybody. Uh, we are in a new series on the book of Mark, and we're, as pastors, really excited about this because we just love going through books with you guys. Um, we get, always get really good feedback, and so we did something a little bit different with this series. Uh, we are going through this book pretty much chapter by chapter. We're going to do our best to stick to that. Uh, but we are really asking this question, what does it look like for you and me together to follow Jesus? And oftentimes we, we like coming to church on Sunday and then maybe we're involved with a life group and then uh, we kind of live our life after that, right? We do our church thing and then we live life. But we wanted to add something to the mix that we think would be really beneficial for you guys. And so we have this little uh, ticket. We're going to call it a ticket or a token. Rodney really likes the word token. Okay, but we have this token right here and this has uh, an access code. We're going to be talking about a Uh, a show called Stranger Things in a little bit, but one of the things about Stranger Things is there's like this door that has an access to this hidden world, right? And in the show, it's really scary. But this hidden world that you can access through this QR QR code is awesome and wonderful, okay? So what we want you to do is take your phone, scan this code. It's going to take you to our website called uh, Digging Deeper, okay? Or a part of our website that has all sorts of resources that you can access, uh, we're going to be uh, really pushing a series on Mark by Francis Chan. And so if you can, you can go through that with your life group. You can go that, through that with your family. You can do that in the morning before you go to work. Uh, but there's books that we're going through right now, all sorts of different things that you can do uh, to continue your relationship with Christ outside of Sunday morning service. Isn't that awesome? Amen? All right. Thank you, you 12. I hope the rest of you after the service will take this so seriously. Okay. But this morning, we're going to continue our journey in the book of Mark, and we're going to start right off with our main point, and that is this. Follow means a new kind of leader with a new kind of mission. Last week, Pastor Rodney unpacked the story of Jesus calling the first disciples, and he gave them a very simple uh, command, a very simple call. What was it? Follow me. He looks to these men and he says, follow me. And he's not just going to look to men. He's going to look to all sorts of different kind of people. He's going to have a group that's fairly large that are going to follow him around everywhere that he goes. And so he's calling people to follow him. And what we're going to see in Mark is that Jesus is going to give the call, but what Jesus is doing underneath the surface is so much bigger than just talking to one or two people. What Jesus is going to do in the Gospels and what we're going to see in the Gospel of Mark in this story today is he's ushering something called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Jesus isn't concerned with just having a few people follow him. What Jesus wants is to usher in a kingdom that is from out of this world. He's going to bring it in and that kingdom is meant to open the door so that people who are suffering, people who are in pain, people who are held under the bondage of sin would begin to experience liberation in a way they had never experienced before. Why? Because they're getting a taste of a kingdom that is not of their own. They're getting a taste of a kingdom whose Lord isn't Micah and it's not you, but it's Jesus Christ himself. And so as we go to the text today, understand that this is what's going on. To follow means that there's a new kind of leader with a new kind of mission. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. 
And we're going to read 21 through 28. Mark chapter 1, 21 through 28. And they, Jesus and his followers, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding regions of Galilee. Now, I want to ask you a simple question, right? When we, when we want, look at this story and see how it's built and how it's structured, right? It says this, that Jesus comes and he begins teaching. And like the people are amazed. They're like, man, Jesus is awesome. And then there's this exorcism. Right, This demonic being is going to be cast out of a man and he's going to be liberated. And then all the people are going to be amazed that Jesus is teaching and then Jesus is going to become famous. Right, So you have Jesus teaching, the people are amazed, incredible event. The people are amazed and then Jesus becomes famous. Here's the question I want to ask you this morning as we get started. It says that Jesus taught the people and, he was, and they were amazed. This, this amazing sermon is going on. Jesus is speaking these words in a synagogue, and people are getting pumped up. People are looking at Jesus. They're hearing these words, and they're saying, there's something different about this man. There's something different about his authority. There's something different about how he's speaking. My question to you this morning is, what did he say? Mark's telling us about this awesome message. The content is so good, and yet Mark fails to mention a single word of it stop for a second and think about that everybody's amazed at the sermon that jesus gives right here in this story yet the author himself doesn't bother to give us a single word of this incredible message why do you think that is why do you think it is that the, this gospel writer, this person who's so infatuated with Jesus and his teaching, fails to mention even one word? Because I think what Mark's doing, and you're going to see this all throughout the gospel, he's going to give you these short, these short snapshots of things that happen. And he's going to say, talk about how the people were amazed. But you're not going to get hardly any of the teachings of Jesus. In fact, they're all going to be very short. They're going to look more like very short parables. It's not going to be like the Gospel of John where Jesus is going to talk for like three chapters at a time. It's not going to be like John chapter 6 where Jesus talks and then he keeps talking. And then he keeps talking so much so that people start leaving because he's talking so much and he's saying things that are so offensive. Mark doesn't mention a single thing. But what we do know about Mark, check this out. In Mark 1.15, the first time Jesus speaks in the book, this is what he says. He says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What Mark's doing is he's saying, look, Jesus is going to say a lot of things. And this is the essence of what he's saying. This is the heart of what Jesus is saying. That awesome sermon that you see in Mark chapter 1 where I don't give you any of the words. 
What you need to realize is that there were some awesome words that were spoken, but this right here, this is the heart. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That word gospel is euanglion, and it literally means good news. But what, what is good news all about? What is news in general all about? When you turn on the news and you turn on to Fox News or CNN or MSNBC, what do you expect to see? You expect to see the events of the day that are happening. News seeks to record events that happen right now so that as time goes on, we can look back and say, do you remember that? Because it's events that shape the heart of people. And I think the gospel writer of Mark understand this, understands this at a deep level. When Jesus comes preaching the good news, he's talking about a news that you could believe in, a news that you could look to in the past and say, do you remember when? If you remember September 11th, that's an event that shaped our history. We just celebrated another year where we look back and remember that day, that eerie, awe-inspiring, yet frustrating and heartbreaking day when two towers fell and it shaped the lives of so many people. I know because my brother actually joined the military because of it, and he went off and he served a tour in Iraq. But there were thousands of people whose lives were shifted in that one moment when they saw that plane and the second plane fly into the towers. Why? Because it was an event that happened in the past and that news was reported on and it's something that you and I take with us for the rest of our life, whether we like it or not. We're stuck with it. And that news, whether it's good or bad, will shape our lives in ways we never thought it could or never thought it would. I was watching clips this week of a a movie called Miracle, and it's about the 1980 Olympics, uh, the USA Olympic team that went and beat the USSR. And the reason it was such a big deal, and you all know this already because it's a very popular story, right, is because it was at the heart of the Cold War, and America needed something. And it's just a hockey game, right? We, We... Many of us don't even care that much about hockey. It's like a North Dakota and then Canada thing, right? I mean, we don't even, we care, like if you're a hockey player, like we care, but like, let's be real, it's not football, right? But everybody in that moment cared. Why? Because it was the United States taking on the USSR. And when we won, there was something inside of us that broke open. It gave America a new hope. It gave America hope to look to tomorrow and say, look, tomorrow's going to be better than what it was today. There's events in our past that shape our lives in dramatic way, and I think Mark understands this. See, one pastor said it like this. When Jesus comes on the scene in the book of Mark, he's not coming giving a bunch of advice. He's not saying if you want to make it to heaven, then you do X, Y, and Z, and if you do X, Y, and Z, then the kingdom of God is going to happen in your life. Jesus doesn't do that at all. Instead, what Jesus comes is he comes preaching this message that you would repent and believe. And when, that, when you do that, something's going to happen in your life. You're going to experience the good news, the gospel, this event that's going to happen that's going to change everything for you for all time's sake. Jesus comes bringing the kingdom of God. He's preaching a powerful message. And in this moment and in this story, what we're going to see is it's not about what he said, it's about what Jesus did. The people are all, they're, they're ripe for the picking. They're stuck in amazement of Jesus. And what's going to happen? In the middle of all of it, in the middle of all of it, something crazy is going to happen. 
Jesus is going to bring a news that can transform even the hardest of hearts, even here today. Jesus' teaching is going to stir up the people, and they will be amazed. But at the same time, he's stirring up the people. He's stirring up the enemy. So my second point is this. Stranger things happen when you follow. Stranger things happen when you follow. Look at verse, I'm going to jump back up for just a second. Look at verse 23. Jesus is teaching, and it says, Immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Jesus' ministry is moving forward. Jesus is teaching. The people are responding. And immediately, as soon as Jesus begins to stir things up, as soon as Jesus begins to speak the message, as soon as Jesus begins to pull the people in, immediately this man cries out. Immediately. The enemies of God, the kingdom of darkness, the powers that be that had rule and reign over this man's life, as soon as they hear Jesus speaking, there's something that comes out of him that's angry, that convulses him, that frustrates him. Because what we have to realize in this story, and I think what Mark is showing us is that with success, Jesus is finding great success, but with success, there will always be strife. Why? Because the kingdom of God upsets the status quo. I want to talk a little bit about our downtown campus. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a homer for those guys, right? Like, I love, I'm biased. I, I, I think it's the, the best campus. No offense. I mean, probably shouldn't say that. If, no, I'm just kidding, right? We're one church in multiple locations, but I love our downtown campus. All right, I love them, love them, love them. Last week, we had an awesome Sunday. I mean, it was, it was great. We were seeing people come to the doors that we've been praying for for months months and it was just it was fantastic right the ministry was just awesome uh but it was the weirdest sunday we've ever had like the weirdest it was the strangest sunday i think i've i've ever experienced there's nothing dangerous or or anything like that that happened but we just had a lot of um interesting things happen that kind of made us, you know, the hair on our head and the back of our neck stand up a little bit. We had some encounters with people outside uh, by the park where we were having our picnic that just kind of made us uh, kind of be like, what's going on this morning? Like, oh, man, you know, and, and it kind of put us on edge a little bit. But it was it was a very strange Sunday. In fact, we had a, a picnic where we did a watermelon eating competition and and, and Angela Mankey, she almost she choked on a piece of watermelon. We had to do the Heimlich. I mean, it was epic. Right. But it was just a really weird Sunday. Right. <laughs> You should have seen it. I mean, there was, she was standing right next to this other girl who I've now come to believe is the most competitive person uh, on the planet. Her name's Aberly, and, and uh, you know, they're eating their watermelon, and Angie steps back, and she's just like, you know, I can't breathe, and so they're doing the Heimlich on her, and Aberly's right next to her, and she just looks, and I talked to her afterwards. Uh, the, the watermelon came out of Angie's mouth. She saw the watermelon just, you know, kept eating. Um, she's like, I knew she was okay, so I could finish. And so she won, and, and I mean, she was just like total female beast mode, right? Like, it was insane. Um, but it was just a very odd Sunday, right, where we were just kind of wondering, what is, what is going on in, in church today, right? And if you're downtown watching this, you know, you, you, maybe you know what I'm talking about, but there, there was just some weird things that happened. But I think what this story is showing and what I realized in that moment is that when you begin to make strides for the kingdom of God, when the kingdom of God begins to take place and open up doors in a community that's been shrouded in darkness for so long, when those type of things happen, there's going to be strife that come with it. 
Right, and I know we have, we, we have a missionary that's sitting in the room with us today. And I can bet you they would say the same thing, that when they go out and doors start opening and the kingdom of God begins to break through in ways that it hasn't before and the kingdom of darkness gets stirred up and the status quo gets upset, what you begin to realize is that there's an enemy out there that's going to fight back against you. They don't like the fact that the status quo is being messed up. They don't like the fact that things are beginning to change in your life. They don't like the fact that things are beginning to change in the life of the community. Why? Because the kingdom of God is taking foot and it's taking root. And because of that, it's going to grow. The kingdom of God is meant to break into your life and upset the status quo. The kingdom of God is meant to break into your workplace and upset the status quo. The kingdom of God is meant to break into your community and upset the status quo. And when that happens, you can bet people are going to get a little more uptight because there's something inside of them that says, this is not okay. This is not the norm. Who is this person? The kingdom of God breaks in and Jesus encounters strife. And Jesus is going to encounter the kingdom of darkness and the powers of darkness. There's three other stories like this in the Gospel of Mark. So Jesus is going to encounter this over and over and over again. But, but Mark 1.24, Jesus is teaching this man with a demon inside of him says this, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. See, this demon inside of the man, he knows the power of Jesus. He knows who he is. He can feel it. He knows it. He understands it. And when he begins to hear him speak, when he begins to hear him proclaim the good news, he can't sit by and do nothing. He has to speak. But what I love about this, and we're going to talk about this more at the end, is that there's no struggle. There's no fight. Jesus rebukes him in verse 25, saying, be silent and come out of him. There's this big scene. Can you imagine how awkward this would have been if you're sitting in this room amazed that Jesus is teaching and then all of a sudden you hear this demonically possessed man. You probably knew who he was because he had made scenes before in your community. All of a sudden he's speaking out against this teacher who has authority. How awkward that must have been. And this is all that Jesus says. He says, be silent and come out of him. It's done. Jesus uses the word fimo, which translated into the Norwegian Urban Dictionary. You guys ready for this? The Norwegian Urban Dictionary defines it as shut your pie hole, okay? I, it's, it's, you know, that wasn't, you know, okay, I made that up. But, you know, don't judge me for that one, all right? It's Norwegian. It's the Norwegian's fault, okay? But Jesus says, be silent. Shut your pie hole. Get out of him. That's all Jesus says. But the, imagine if you were in Jesus' shoe. This guy starts, starts freaking out in the middle of your sermon. Right? I'm, I'm imagining it right now. Someone just freaking out and being, being like, what am I going to do right now? Right? In the middle of what you're saying, somebody freaks out. What, what are you going to do? You're probably going to get really nervous. You're probably going to start shaking and being like, what's going on? And looking around for somebody to take this guy out and remove him from your presence so that you can continue with your little sermon. But this is what I love about Jesus. Jesus doesn't push away, he leans in. Write that down. Jesus doesn't push away, he leans in. In this moment, this guy freaks out. Jesus sees some stranger things happening. 
right? He sees this other dimensional being that's possessing a man coming out of him, right? This is like straight up Billy, right, from season three of Stranger Things, right? It's, he's possessed by this demonic force, okay? And Jesus sees this thing going on. He sees it unfolding. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't run away. He doesn't say, all right, where's my security? Get this guy out of here. He's unclean, right? He shouldn't be in our presence to begin with, but also there's a demon, so let's just take care of this. Go outside, perform the exorcism. Let's deal with that. You guys do the fight outside, and then maybe you can bring him back in. Otherwise, just leave him. No, Jesus doesn't do any of that. That's what I would do, okay? If I'm being real, that's what I would do. Jesus doesn't do that. He leans in. Jesus leans into the strange of it. He leans into those stranger things because he knows there's something deeper going on. He knows the kingdom of God is beginning to chip away at this man's heart. So instead of saying, this man is unclean, get him out. This man is possessed by a demon, get him out of here. What does Jesus do? He leans in like a merciful Savior. He doesn't see a man possessed by a demon. He sees a soul that needs redemption. He sees a man who's bearing a burden that he wasn't meant to carry. And that burden is crushing him. And that burden is destroying him. And Jesus looks at it and he doesn't run away. He leans in. In your life, when you encounter stranger things, do you run away or do you lean in? In your life, when the kingdom of God begins to chip away at your heart or begins to chip away in, in, in your community and things start happening that you can't control, things that make you stop and say, what in the world is going on right now? I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going to come tomorrow. When those type of stranger things happen in your life, maybe instead of us running away and saying, oh, God, help me, maybe we need to lean in and say, God, Help me in this moment understand what you're doing. Jesus is going to do something that's going to change his life forever. Jesus desires to empty the man of the demonic and fill him with the fullness of God. Ephesians 3, 17 through 19 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Jesus wanted to liberate this man, but part of the liberation was to set him on a path where the liberation would continue and his faith would grow. Jesus leans in. The last point I want to give you is this. Kingdom rule brings kingdom results. Kingdom rule brings kingdom results. The first kingdom result that I want to talk about. What does it look like when the kingdom of God breaks into someone's life? What is Jesus doing here? Jesus empties so he can fill. Write that down. Jesus empties so he can fill. Jesus isn't satisfied with leaving you the way that you are. The gospel writer of Mark isn't satisfied with you reading his text and saying, oh, what can I do to learn more about Jesus' teaching? He wants you to understand that there's a result, that there is an event that happened in this man's life, and there can be an event that happens in yours. This man was possessed by a demon, but now he's not because he's been liberated by Jesus. There was something that filled him up. There was something that, was at the, that filled him up from the bottom of his life to the top. 
Jesus comes on the scene, sees the dysfunction, he sees the problems, he pulls it out, he empties the man, and he puts something back in. Jesus empties so he can fill up. What in your life right now needs emptying? What in your life right now is Jesus tugging on and pointing at and saying, this is a part that I want to take out of you. This is a part of your life that's been putting you in bondage for so long. You've been trying to earn your way and earn your favor with me, but that's a burden that you've been carrying for too long. Let me take that burden. It's nothing you can do. It's nothing you can earn. It's only by my grace. Jesus liberates this man, and he fills him with the fullness of Christ. You know what I could say right now is, how can you read your Bible more, right? Let's figure out a strategy where, where we'll get you plugged into a life group, and we should do this, but, but let's get you plugged into a life group, and, and, and you know, let's, let's figure out a way where you can spend more time with your kids, and let's, let's, spend, let's figure out a way uh, where you can free up your schedule so you can come to church more regularly. I could go down a whole list of things that are sort of like the traditional church checkbox list things that you can do to be a better Christian, to be a better person, to help you in your life, to grow and to know Jesus more. There's a whole bunch of things that I can do, but that's not what Paul does in Ephesians 3. That's not what Mark does here with this man. What they do is they prop up an event and they say, look what Jesus did. That's somebody you can trust. In Ephesians 3, before Paul even says any of this stuff, he says, it's the gospel of Jesus that's affected my heart. It's the good news that I'm addicted to. It's the good news that I'm sharing with you. What Paul's remembering is that event that happened that changed his life. What this man is realizing in this moment is that the words that come out of Jesus' mouth are so powerful, but it's the event that Jesus did in his life that liberated him. Imagine being this man and looking up at Jesus for the first time where your eyes have been cleared and you're not covered with the fog of the demonic and you see Jesus standing there and he's freed you. It doesn't matter what he said that day. All that matters is that he was the one who said it. All that matters is he was the one who did it. So my question to you this morning is, is not what spiritual disciplines can we pour in you so you can become a better person. Those are important. We need to do those type of things. But right now, what is it that Jesus wants to take out of your life so he can fill you back up? What is that thing? What is that God that you're worshiping? What is that thing that you're giving all your time and your resources to that's not him? That's what Jesus wants. He wants your attention. He wants your affection. He wants you to come into his kingdom where he is Lord and he's reigning. It's not about advice. It's not about the words that Jesus spoke in that moment. It's those aren't the things that this man will remember for the rest of his life. It's that I was once possessed and in bondage, but that man set me free. He saved me from myself. He saved me from the powers of darkness. He saved me from my addiction. He saved me from my codependency. He saved me from my workaholism. He saved me from my pride. He saved me from the burden that was crushing me, and I will never forget that day. I will never forget that event, that moment when time stopped and everything changed. Have you had that moment? Have you had that moment where 
Jesus is standing before you and he's your liberator. He's the one who set you free. He's the one who came to you and said, be gone. And he took that burden that was crushing you. He took that legalism that was crushing you. He took those unrealistic expectations that were crushing you off. And he became your savior in that moment. Have you had, have you had that experience or have you forgotten that experience? Because this morning, I think Jesus wants to recultivate that. He wants to remind you of the event of when, when he cast the demon out and that man who was once in bondage is now free. If he's going to fill you up, you have to first be emptied. The second one I want to give to you for kingdom results, what does it look like when kingdom rule happens in our life? Is that Jesus liberates so you can participate. Write that down. Jesus will liberate so you can participate. Kim Tan Huat, a theologian from Singapore, said this. Being exercised meant that this man was liberated to belong to God and to participate in the corporate life of his people. This man who was once estranged, this man who was once far off, who was unclean by all standards, he should have been outside the community. Jesus brings him into the community, not just to liberate him, but to liberate him for something more. To liberate him to come and now sit in a pew with other people. To liberate him to where now he can engage with the community of believers so he's not just an outsider, he's an insider. He's not just somebody who's far away, but now he can be close. He can be around a bunch of people who are just like him in the sense that they're all bearing burdens and bondages that they were carrying and Jesus liberated. This man is liberated to participate. Participate in community. And that's what Jesus is all about. He doesn't want to just save you and then send you home and say, raise your family and live a good life. Jesus liberates you so that you can participate in taking the kingdom of God that had once broke into your life and you've experienced that news. He wants to take it now and take it to the next person. He wants to take it to another campus that's downtown. He wants to take it to another campus that's online. He wants to take it out to Rock Creek. He wants to take it right here to Aberdeen. And he wants to break into your life so that you can take it to your neighbors. He wants you to take it to your coworkers. He wants you to take it to your kids and to your school. The kingdom of God is like a domino effect. When it hits the first one, it can't help but keep knocking things over. Jesus wants more of our community. He's not satisfied with you. He's not satisfied with just having me. He wants more, and he's calling us to more. Are you willing to step up and participate in what he's doing? Are you willing to step up and say, Jesus, you've liberated me. Now you're calling me to participate more. I'm going to come to church every week, not because it's a religious duty, but because you're there, because my community is there. I'm going to go and I'm going to read my Bible, not because I have to do it to fulfill a religious obligation, but because, Jesus, you're in those pages and you saved me. This man who was once estranged now belongs. Everybody wants to belong. Everybody wants to be a part of something that's bigger than themselves. But check this out. Remember when Jesus says to the man, shut your pie hole, right? Get out of him, go away. There's no fight, there's no struggle. Remember that? The demon doesn't put up his fist and say, all right, Jesus, let's go. He doesn't go nose to nose with Jesus. He knows who Jesus is. He knows he's got the authority, and he takes off. But watch this, church. 
What happened when the tables were turned? What happens when the tables were turned? Jesus frees this man. There's no fight. There's no struggle. That burden that was crushing the man is now gone. Jesus is freedom. But when the tables are turned, when Jesus is falsely accused, the, the kingdom of darkness has all the power. They have Jesus under their hand and under their thumb. They put him up on a false trial. They charge him with bogus crimes. They, they lash him. They whip him. They put him on a cross where he's ultimately crucified. In all this, what did Jesus not do? He didn't struggle. He didn't put up a fight. He went to a cross where he died for your sin and my sin, and it was our sin that crushed him. He took a burden on himself, a burden that we were never meant to carry. And there he died. He, he didn't fight, he didn't struggle, and he was crushed. Jesus casts out the demon. There's no fight, there's no struggle, and the burden that was crushing the man is no longer there. He's liberated, he's free. Jesus was crushed for your sin and my sin. Jesus became that man. He became the man. He was crushed by our sins so that we could be free. You know what the good news is? The good news of Jesus Christ is that Jesus Christ came and died. He lived the perfect life and he died the death that you and I deserved. He took our sin upon himself. He took our burden that was crushing us upon himself so that we could have life. So that we could see kingdom results happen in our life. So that we could see the kingdom of God break in and the bondage that is on people's lives. We can see that literally come off. Jesus did it for that reason. He became, he, he, he stepped into our place and he died there that day with my sin but then there was that other day then there was that moment when everything seemed to stop and the defeated Christ rose a triumphant king a king who would bring a new rule with results that would fill us and release us to participate in the kingdom of God Jesus rose again beating death what you need to realize is that Jesus took your place. The thing that should amaze you is not your own righteousness. It's not how good you are. It's not how great your kids are. It's not how, how great your job is. That can't be the thing that motivates you. The good news of Jesus Christ is that there was an event that happened 2,000 years ago where your sin, your bondage was put on his shoulders and he made a way for you. Have you had that moment where you've looked up just like this man did and you, said, and you saw Jesus standing there and he had lifted the bondage from your shoulders? Have you had that moment where you looked at Jesus and you said, Jesus, you're my everything. Jesus, you're my savior. And because of that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend time in your scriptures. I'm going to spend time uh, you know, reading my, my Bible and praying. I'm going to spend time at church. I'm going to make those things a priority. Why? Because Jesus, that's where you are and that's who you are. Have you been liberated by his grace? Or maybe, maybe you've forgotten. Maybe you've got stuck in the busyness of life. If that's you, please come find me after the service. I'll be back by the starting point booth. Come talk to me. I want to talk to you more about that and lead you in it. But church, do not walk out of here without, without 
being in awe of who Jesus is. He took your burden. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your life, your death, your resurrection. We thank you for this story that's not about exactly what you said, but it's about what you did. Jesus, you liberated this man who was oppressed. You liberated this man who had a demon in him, and you set him free. Jesus, thank you for stepping in and taking our place, taking our burden, taking our bondage, taking our sin, taking our shame. And being crushed for my sin. Jesus, I worship you and I thank you. I thank you that you rose again and now your spirit is filling us, God. You've emptied us of sin and you are pouring in your spirit to fill us up so that we can not only be liberated, but we can participate in the things that you have for us. So we worship you and we thank you this morning. We worship you and we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray this message connected with you, and we hope it gave you another way to connect with Jesus and your New Life family. For more ways to get plugged in here at New Life, you can visit our website at www.newlifeaberdeen.org. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week.